We're happy to have this episode sponsored by Real Mushrooms. You probably already know about some of the great benefits of adding mushrooms to your diet, like better sleep, greater mental clarity, and a stronger immune system, but not all mushroom products are equal. Real Mushrooms is the real deal. Many mushroom companies harvest the mushroom and the grain it's growing on. Real Mushrooms products contain no grains or starch fillers. They're organic, cultivated naturally, and third-party verified for beta-glucans, the compound that makes them so valuable as a supplement. They even have a science and medical team of doctors who ensure that Real Mushrooms meets the highest standards. What I personally love is how informative their website is. Have questions about what mushroom is right for you? They have a robust blog with articles ranging from women's health to what mushrooms are most beneficial to your pet. Want to boost your immune system? Have better sleep and feel more calm? Grab the link in the show notes and get 25% off of your first order. Curiously enough, acupuncture is not just sticking needles into people. It's part of a coherent and observation-based medicine that experienced practitioners of the art have handed down over the centuries. I'm Michael Max, your host and guide of Everyday Acupuncture. Listen in as we explore how you can apply the principles of this ancient medicine in your everyday life. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Everyday Acupuncture. Today, my guest is Damiana Korka. Damiana is an acupuncturist who specializes in sleep disorders, and we're recording this show on October the 31st, and oddly enough, Damiana is from Transylvania. A little treat for you today. We're going to get into all kinds of things about sleep today, including dealing with sleep apnea, various kinds of things that you can do on your own to help get yourself a better night's sleep. Damiana, trick or treat, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on, on your show, uh, Michael. Thank you. Yeah, it's good to have you here. I, I want to start out first with knowing a little bit about how you found your way into dealing with sleep issues as a specialty. I mean, this is something a lot of us deal with in our clinics. Um, but you're the first person I've run across who actually has taken a deep dive into sleep disorders. How did you get there? I've always known I wanted to specialize in sleep problem, in not in sleep problems. I've always known I wanted to specialize. So while I was in college, I vividly remember reading the book Points for Profit by Honora Wolf. And I was thinking, what, what would it be that I would love to do? And I couldn't, I couldn't figure out back then. And my dad had Alzheimer's disease, so it was always in the back of my mind that I could possibly specialize in neurological disorders. And so when I, after I graduated from college, I had a general practice, and I played with the idea of specializing in neurological disorders. I've tried to take all sorts of classes and learn more about it, and then... Of course, I got a number of patients who, who dealt with this kind of problems. But after a little while, I quickly realized that that is not something I wanted to fully dive in, as you said earlier. Um, and not much later after that, I was talking to a friend and he asked me, well, what is it that comes easy to me? And I sort of laughed and I said, well, I make people sleep easily. 
And it, for a moment there, I thought, I can't possibly specialize in <laughs> problems. That's way too easy. It, it was, it, it, I thought about that and then I thought, it's, you know, in acupuncture, we tend to not specialize in such a, in more of a, to have such a narrow kind of a specialty that is very focused on, on a certain particular problems. We specialize in prep. Uh, pain problem we specialize in fertility but sleep sleep seemed too narrow for me but then the idea could did not leave my mind so I started playing with it I started studying I I started studying everything that I could put my hands on and then I discovered the expert in the field Dr. Hamid Montakab he's uh, an MD and an acupuncturist in Switzerland and he has done a lot of research over the past 20 years on acupuncture and insomnia specifically, also sleep apnea and other sleep disorders, but particularly insomnia. And it just so happened that he published a book on acupuncture and insomnia. The book came out right about the time when I decided to specialize. I still remember to this day seeing the book on Amazon and I couldn't believe my eyes. I, I got so excited. So... I got the book and it was really, really helpful. It, it's part of my practice. And then I started using his, his system and, and whatever I knew from the past. And then later on, I even went to Germany and took his seminars. And that helped me deepen my knowledge. And, and it's been a few years now since I've been doing this. You know, it's funny, isn't it, how sometimes something will come out of the blue and catch our attention, and we're like, no, that, no, that can't, it can't be that, come on. And then all this stuff shows up that just guides you along that path. Definitely. There is a saying, I believe it says something like, sometimes we tend to ignore the things that come easy to us. Oh gosh, it's so true. We learn that things should be hard, they come the hard way, and so we tend to to put down the things that are so easy for us, and that was my first inclination when I thought about sleep. And then I realized that it is actually not that easy to sleep problems. As I specialized, I attracted more and more difficult patients that took a lot of uh, work to, to help them sleep better again after struggling for many, many years. Yes. Well, I know in my practice, I see quite a few people who have sleep issues. A lot of them get help from acupuncture. In fact, they didn't even know they weren't sleeping well until they get a few treatments and they come back and they go, you know, it's weird. I'm, I'm, I'm sleeping differently. I didn't realize it. Yes. Um, but I'm sleeping differently. And then there's the folks that unless they've got their little tab of Ambien hanging out on their nightstand, they're not even going to go near their bed. Right. I mean, people get really tied into certain rituals with things that they do around bedtime. Definitely. So I'd like to ask you, and this may seem a little bit weird, but I'm the host of the show, so I get to ask any question I want. Of course. <laughs> just what is considered, just what would you consider to be a good night's sleep? Yeah, that, that's a great question. We want to know what's great sleep, right? Yeah. We have a lot of misconceptions around that. So I would say good sleep is if you can fall asleep within, within 10, 15 minutes, half an hour at the most. If you fall asleep within a couple of minutes after you hit the pillow, you're probably a little bit sleep deprived or extra tired. And then after you fall asleep, you should stay asleep throughout the night. That would be good sleep. If you wake up once to, uh, for, to urinate, but you go right back to sleep, that's okay. There is no problem with that at all. 
And especially elderly, they tend to, to wake up to urinase once or even twice a night. And that, again, I would say it's normal. Mm-hmm. But if it takes longer than 15 minutes to fall asleep, or even, as I said, in some people, half an hour, it's what works for them, then that's insomnia. Or if you go to sleep and then you wake up within a, an hour or two and you're wide awake for a while, or you hover in that light sleep, then you have insomnia. Or some people wake up early in the morning around three or four or even some people say that their insomnia started with just half an hour waking up earlier and then an hour and then an hour and a half and then two hours and then becomes becomes very upsetting and very they they wake up tired and anxious because of that so those are a few different scenarios I also get people who say well I sleep just fine for seven, eight hours, and eight to ni- seven to nine hours is usually what works for most people. I Very rarely I meet someone who says that they do very, very well in six hours, and those are usually none of my patients. They said, we just meet somewhere, and they say, well, I sleep for six hours. I've always done that. If I sleep past that, I actually feel groggy. So that's quite unique. Generally, anywhere from seven to nine hours, and that can fluctuate from depending on how much physical activity, how much stress we have in our lives. Mm-hmm. So again, if someone says, well, I do sleep eight hours and I still feel tired, then we want to look at why is that happening. There could be a number of reasons and they might still have insomnia or they may have sleep apnea or again, it could be a number of reasons. So again, to sort of review seven to nine hours, falling asleep really easily, waking up not more than once or twice to urinate and waking up feeling really refreshed. Actually, that's the most important part, to wake up feeling refreshed. The number of hours doesn't matter as much as waking up and and feeling like you're ready for the day. Yeah, right. Acupuncture is probably not one of the things that comes to mind when people are thinking about sleep disorders. You know, like you were saying, people specialize in pain, fertility, digestion, lots of different things. It's I suspect it's rare that people think, I've got insomnia, I'm going to go get acupuncture. Just how does acupuncture help people with this issue? Yeah, this is, this is very true. Most people first think of drugs and herbal remedies and... And usually once they go and visit a medical doctor, if they have insomnia, they may get a prescription for a sleep drug or they may get a referral for cognitive behavioral therapy. And if they do a sleep study and they realize they have sleep apnea, then depending on the severity, they may have to use a CPAP machine or they may go to a dentist who will give them one of those devices such as a mandibular advancement device that will help with sleep apnea as well. But because of the fact that acupuncture is not high on the treatment list for insomnia and other sleep problems, I really made it my mission to spread the awareness that acupuncture, when it's given a fair try, can help tremendously. Now, what would you call a fair try? I know that there's a lot of people, they'll get acupuncture once or twice and they'll go, oh, I tried it, it didn't work. What's your sense of what a fair try is for this, and, and over what period of time? Yeah, a fair try, I would say it's uh, 12 sessions. Now, before you finish 12 sessions, we would be able to know if it's working. I would say that around third, fourth, fifth session, that's when we start seeing signs that something is changing. And I have my patients keep a sleep log 
Um, and if we see a 10, 10, 20% improvement, or if they get one night in a few weeks, that's highly unusual, then we know that something is happening. You know, some of my patients come and tell me, well, here we are at the fourth week. I don't know if much is changing, but gosh, this past week I had one night when I slept for seven hours and I do not remember the last time I had that. And so that's a really good sign. And it means that we just have to keep going and little by little we improve and we may need to make different adjustments to the treatment. We may need to look more on what they're doing at home. They may need to look again at their hormones and who knows, maybe they need to be, we make, make some adjustment there, whatever it is that needs to be done. But that's what I have my patients call me to 12 sessions because occasionally I get patients where we do eight sessions, nine sessions and nothing is happening. And then it starts changing. So if, if we didn't do this, if I didn't put it in their mind that I need, in order to fair try 12 sessions, they may have said, well, we've done this many sessions, six, seven sh- sessions. I'm not sure if this is working. I think we should drop it. So I want, I set up my patients for success and I want to make sure we give it, as I said, a fair try. So, so that's kind of what a fair try means for, for my practice, at least. That, you know, that makes a lot of sense. I have found a lot of times people, especially when they're relying on pharmaceuticals, pharmaceuticals, well, with the exception of some of the mood meds, they tend to work pretty quickly, like especially things to put you to sleep, right? I mean, they'll just knock you right out. Mm -hmm. And with acupuncture, it's different because the acupuncture isn't making you do something. The acupuncture is actually shifting your physiology so that it can naturally do what it's supposed to do. So it, its action is very different and certainly a lot less um, instant than a pharmaceutical drug. And I think a lot of folks get very sort of um, tied into the idea that it's got to work right now. Otherwise, it's not effective. I agree. I agree. I totally agree with that. It's, it's almost when they take a sleep drug, we force the body to perform a certain function. But with acupuncture, we work with the body along with whatever functions are already happening. And we're trying to stimulate the nervous system, the hormonal system, whatever it's needed to function better. So so then, and, and again, as I was saying, then, then when small changes happen, it, it's, it's the acupuncture reminding the body what, it, what to do, but then the body does it. And, and that's why once we achieve the results, it stays that way. It's really powerful. That's why I love acupuncture, sometimes even over herbs, because it keeps stimulating the body to perform certain functions, to achieve that homeostasis, to achieve that place of balance. And then it does it, it stays there. It does it on its own. It has learned again how to come of that come out of that habit of not sleeping well to, to sleeping well. And then the body, I, I, my belief is that it cannot differentiate between this is bad or this is good. You know, if a person sleeps terribly, the brain is not going to say, well, I'm sleeping terribly right now and I know that and this is a poor habit. No, it always does its best. So we want to shift that habit and, and show it otherwise with acupuncture so then it can sustain that. Mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier that some people have more trouble falling asleep and other people have more trouble staying asleep, and some have both. Are there different treatments for those that are having trouble falling asleep than those who are having trouble um, staying asleep? What's your approach with this and, and what's your thinking behind it as to why sometimes people fall asleep so well, but then, but then they're up at three in the morning? 
Definitely. So the timing is very important in Chinese medicine. When is the insomnia happening? Is it you cannot fall asleep at the beginning of the night or you wake up in the middle of the night or you wake up early in the morning? That is very good information to help my diagnosis. And that is true of any practitioner of Chinese medicine and acupuncture. So we have this uh, Chinese clock within our system, and energy, the energy of various organs runs at a higher pace at different times in the day and night, every two hours. So just to give you an example, uh, the liver time in Chinese medicine is between 1 and 3 a.m., and it could be different reasons why people wake up at that time, but one of the reasons that shows up once in a while is in people who have trouble with sugar balance, and if they drink alcohol in the evening, they will wake up around that time, wide awake. And even if they didn't have a lot of alcohol, sometimes just a glass or two does it. If you drink more, um, a lot more, then people clearly know that they wake up at that time. Mm-hmm. So with that, one just, just one idea here that I tell my patients, it's when they come in, if we are unsure if alcohol makes a difference or not, if it affects their sleep or not, I tell them to just cut it off for a little while. Or, uh, and when they start sleeping better, they can reintroduce it and watch and see what happens. But if that is not a, you know, they really like their glass of wine, or maybe we're really not sure if, if it does anything, and they've tried it in the past and they said it doesn't make a difference, but I'm still suspecting that it might be a problem. You know, I may take their pulse and I can feel that the liver pulse is weak or the digestion is a bit weak then um, I tell them to have it as early as possible in the evening, to have it at 5 or 6 p.m. or even 7 p.m. should be fine um, with dinner. So then by the time they go to sleep, it clears out of their system, which can take a few hours. Right. So in other words, take some of the stress off of the liver. Exactly. And and sometimes that is not enough. We We need acupuncture. We need to a medical doctor to take a look at the hormones. We need to take a look at the neurotransmitters. We need to figure out what is it. That's why many people do all this. They come in and they say, well, I'm doing all the right things and I'm still not sleeping. It means that it doesn't matter. And, and, and many times it does matter what they do during the day and in the evening. It's just not enough. That's when they need extra help. Mm-hmm. A little bit later, I want to ask you about what the right things are and, and some of the habits and, and things that people can do that will help them with this. But I sure. first want to dig into this issue about hormones, that hormones can uh, affect people's sleep. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Definitely. I mean, I would say the half of my practice, maybe a little bit less, less than half, but the majority of one group, it's uh, women at perimenopause or menopause, mm. and the hormonal changes in their bodies can really affect their sleep. Um, and it, it's it's very, very upsetting for them. It feels like their life, it's turned upside down. Uh, and many times they wake up in the middle of the night with hot flashes and night sweats, or they, they simply feel like something is not right. They don't feel right. So many of these patients um, do take hormones, and sometimes that's not enough, and acupuncture can complement that. I've also had cases when they were not doing any hormone replacement and we started doing acupuncture and that was not quite enough and once they did just a little bit of let's say progesterone it really helped the combination of the two really helped balance their sleep so and and it's a process it's a period in their life so 
It's more about how can we achieve the best place they can be and then keep that maintenance over the years until they move out of that, of that phase. Right. And it's, it's rarely a simple thing in my experience. One person's issues with sleep, ostensibly, you could have two people come in, they both have night sweats, they both wake up warm, they're both irritable, um, and yet you might end up treating them in really, really different ways because they're each going to respond differently, even though their symptom picture is the same. Have you seen that? Yes, and that's the beauty of Chinese medicine and of acupuncture because we look at those symptoms. As you said, uh, they have night sweats, they wake up at about the same time, they may feel irritable, and then we look at all the other different symptoms that are happening in their body that may seem unrelated. Um, so all of those different symptoms, plus taking a look at the tongue, which gives us really good information. The tongue represents sort of a map of our, our entire body, the color of the tongue, the uh, coating, how dry or, or wet it is. All those different uh, things tell us more about what's going on in the body. And then I take the pulse and I am able to, to tell from the different positions in the pulse which organs are affected. The Chinese have figured out over the past thousands of years that different positions on the poles and, and left hand is different than the, left, the right hand will tell us um, different information about different organs such as the liver, the heart, the spleen, the kidneys, and so on. Mm -hmm. And then based on all of these different things, I'm able to make a diagnosis and then um, do the treatment. Now, that is important, but the second thing that's very important and that I see in the clinic quite a bit is that a patient comes in, they tell me all these different symptoms, I, I'm thinking, wow, this is all very strong in this case, or whatever that is, a kidney problem or a liver problem, and then we do a few sessions and their pattern changes. And then I change my treatment protocol because the body is constantly changing and that's why it is so, so effective. Acupuncture can be so effective because we are working with the body and that's why insomnia can be so stubborn because there's so many layer, different layers to it. So we cannot use the same treatment, we cannot use the same herb, we cannot use the same drug over and over again. Sometimes we need to make adjustments and, and that's when the body responds gently and it gets better. It's almost like a baby. You cannot rush it. You cannot make it do things. You have to be loving towards it and, and, <laughs> and do whatever it needs. And you would do that to a baby, but somehow we forget to do that for ourselves. And we just want it to be done and gone and be healthy again and sleep again because it is a very hard thing to live with. And people become very frustrated and very upset and it turns their life upside down and, and, and so on. Yeah. It, it, for the people that I see in my clinic who have issues with their sleep, it's as if everything in their life revolves around that time when they're getting ready to go to bed and is this going to happen? Is this not going to happen? I mean, there's this incredible focus on will I sleep or will I not sleep tonight? And it, and it for a lot of people, runs their lives in, in pretty profound ways. That's a, that's a big piece, the anxiety piece that uh, people get with, uh, with insomnia. Um, many of my patients, um, in the first few weeks of treatments, they say the sleep is not a whole lot better, but they seem to be a little more peaceful around it. They don't get so aggravated. 
about it. And when people have anxiety around sleep, it, it just makes it worse, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So there is even a study out there of, um, I believe they took eight, 18, a small study, 18 anxious adults with um, insomnia, and they gave uh, acupuncture. And they noticed that they had a significant increase in melatonin production, which is a chemical crucial for sleep. And, and that just happened, as I said, over just, just five weeks of acupuncture. And, and so... Working with the nervous system to decrease the anxiety, it can be really, really helpful. Um, and I believe there is a review out there of acupuncture for psychiatric illnesses, which uh, people who have sleep problems, they don't always have, they, most of the time they don't have any psychiatric illness. But, but that was a good study because it showed that acupuncture can increase the central nervous system hormones such as beta-endorphins and serotonin and noradrenaline, and that's really crucial to help with anxiety and help people sleep better. Yeah, the uh, the way that acupuncture can bring about fundamental physiological change, especially in these kind of neurotransmitters and such, is uh, is really nothing short of astonishing, at least in my opinion. This issue of anxiety, uh, especially around sleep, and especially as people are moving toward that time where there's where they're supposed to sleep. How do you work with that in your practice? Do you use herbs? Do you use acupuncture? Do you have people go through some sort of uh, sleep habits? What uh, Can you break it down for us a bit as to how you would help someone approach their getting ready to go to sleep? So yes, acupuncture is uh, the main part that I use, but also working around getting to know the patient and see what do they do in the evening? What are their thoughts? What, when do they go to bed? Um, do they meditate at all or not? Which is really crucial. And many times I do guided meditations with my patients while they're on the table and then really encourage them to take just five minutes twice a day, even put a timer if they haven't meditated before. And it's hard for them to start implementing that. And especially about an hour before they go to sleep, I ask them to to meditate for 5, 10, 15 minutes and then really tune in to what they feel and really allow that anxiety to be present before they actually go to bed. Allow that anxiety to, to be present in their body, to close their eyes and feel their body and acknowledge it. Yes, I'm, I'm feeling really anxious right now and see where, where that feels. And many people that get different body sensations. They may feel it in their gut. They may feel it as in a form of racing thoughts. But acknowledging it and being with it and keep coming back to the breathing, it's very, very, very helpful. So that's one piece of it. Mm-hmm. So instead of fighting it, you're asking them to inhabit it and yes. see what happens after that. See what happens. Because when we do not allow these feelings of anxiety, we, we try to push them away. They're obviously not going away. They're always every evening and sometimes even throughout the day. And what we, there is a saying, what we resist persists. Oh boy. So, so it, is, it is very true. And that anxiety it is a part of us. So the only thing that we can do is to accept it. It is not something separate from us. We want to accept it. And then usually when we accept something, it, it sort of dissolves little by little. Uh-huh. So is this, is this your clinical experience or is this because you come from a different culture in a different place where people have a different perspective? Most of us folks here in America, 
we have the idea that we're going to just like grab this thing by the scruff of the neck and do something with it. Actually sitting down and sort of cozying up to something that we're uncomfortable with, that seems really counterintuitive. How did you come to this? Yes, it is my personal experience. Um, The past few years, I've done a lot of personal growth. And that is what runs my life. That is what I love about life. It's about noticing every day as it is with the ups and downs, with the anxiety, with sometimes feeling low or feeling depressed, with with whatever comes along, I've noticed that that's, that's part of who we are, and I noticed that's how we can become successful at anything. So that helped me in my practice tremendously, and it helps my patients to, again, to sort of accept themselves and, and sort of acknowledge uh, that anxiety and this sleep problem, it is part of their life, and that doesn't mean we accept it and we accept that, oh, I'm just going to have insomnia for the rest of my life. No, we accept the feelings that we have, but we consistently try to get better. We consistently look for people to help us. We consistently try different things and and, and we stay with them. And it always gets better when we do that. The, the, sometimes I, the only patients that sometimes I feel like they're not getting better, you know, it may not be the right time. It may not be the right place or their consciousness is not ready. They may have had trauma, they may have had problems. Whatever it is, they're not quite ready, not quite there. It's too much for them in that that moment. And it it is sad to see that, but you know, as we move along, things do happen. Mm -hmm. So this is what I've learned. It was not from from my culture. I believe that we perhaps do that innately more. We don't, we're not a culture of so go, go, go as in America are, but there is a really beautiful things about, about uh, you used the saying, uh, grabbing things by the something. You oh, said grab it them by the scruff of the neck. Exactly. <laughs> that, is a, that is a good saying. But, but yes, yeah, so it's a beautiful thing in that we just have to kind of figure out what, where do we want to use that kind of attitude and that kind of strategy and what is needed tonight when I go to sleep and I feel anxious. Mm -hmm. Different strategies. Different strategies at different times for different things. And it's almost like being in an ocean, you know, you don't want to fight it. You just want to kind of guide it as much as you can and observe what's happening and pay a lot of attention and relax into it and everything will be all right. Oh, I feel like taking a nap after hearing you say that. That just sounds <laughs> fabulous. <laughs> you uh, you mentioned trauma is one of the reasons people have trouble with sleep, and it's not any sort of secret that anyone who's got uh, PTSD is probably having issues with sleep. Have you tr- have you uh, experienced treating people with post traumatic stress syndrome, and and what kinds of changes have you seen with their sleep? Yeah, so I've treated quite a few patients who have PTSD to a lesser or a higher degree. And with those patients, I highly encourage them that encourage them that they work with a therapist. It's really, really important. I can guide them here in the clinic. Acupuncture can also affect the emotional health. But um, it is very valuable when we can work with a therapist as well. So 
uh, again, it's not only about acupuncture, it's not only about therapies, not only about the medical, uh, you know, the medical doctor, is how can we put all these things together so we achieve the best results? And, and the best results, I, I see them usually for people who are really committed, or I shouldn't say committed, everyone is committed to, to sleep better, but are really open-minded and are open to, to really work through different things and kind of notice what is it that they need and keep that open mind. And, and so then they get better. But, but yes, acupuncture can be highly, highly effective for, yeah. for sleep. And, and as, as we go, when we go to sleep, we, we go inward. And, and, you know, there is that saying, uh, when somebody has done something that we perceive as bad, wow, how can they sleep at night, right? Right, of course. So many times it doesn't have to be so extreme. It doesn't have to be for the person that had to witness terrible things in a war. It doesn't have to be extreme. Uh, sometimes it can be things that are related to childhood. We all have things that bothered us in the childhood. And, and, and we always say, well, it was the parents, it was dead. But it's a path. We have learned so many things from our, our childhoods. And it is up to us when we grow up to see what, how we can work with those things and how can we bring the gift in, uh, from those problems. And so when it shows up in sleep, regardless if we know it or not, then we want to do everything that it takes and question, why am I not sleeping? Like, what is the problem? Why do I have these night terrors at the beginning of the night? Maybe I'm just too stressed. Maybe it reminds me of something. Maybe I need to work with it in therapy. Like, there are many different types of therapy that work for different people um, and at different stages in, in their lives. So, And I, I, I try to see that in my patients and say, well, you know, I think you could benefit from some brain spotting or, you know, I think you, you do need some cognitive behavioral therapy or whatever it is, you need to look at the hormones or I think this is the moment for you to go and uh, get a sleep study f to make sure to rule out sleep apnea whatever it is we want to look at the big picture and and then the sleep issues will will most likely go away hope you're enjoying the show i'd love to know about what topics are of interest to you if you have a health concern or if you want to know specifics about how acupuncture can help to promote vibrant well-being, visit the website at www.everydayacupuncturepodcast.com and send an email. It sounds like a lot of these sleep issues, they're a very convoluted puzzle. It could be a lot of different things. And... It's not as simple as, oh, here's a few acupuncture points, or here's some herbs, or here's a medication for that matter. Uh, but it's more a matter of unwinding, how did you get to this place where you are? And, and seeing that very specifically for each person, and then helping them move through that with whatever treatment is appropriate. Yes, and I should also say that I do get a lot of patients who... We do a few acupuncture treatments and miracles happen, literally. So mm. there is that case and also in, in cases of insomnia that are not so chronic and, and they're usually related to stress, people respond just after one treatment. They say they feel much better and especially younger people. I am amazed to see over and over again uh, teenagers or students with 
severe sleep problems if you could tell them where they can't sleep every night they sleep only three four hours and acupuncture solves it right away and even older people and sometimes a few acupuncture treatment that's all they need it may be that they've already they've already done the work that they needed to do before that or it's just the perfect thing at the right time for them Mm -hmm. so sleep apnea is a big thing and a reason for a lot of people not sleeping well from the point of view, at least of the people that I see here in the Midwest, we're not exactly the most progressive part of the of the country. But if people go to get a sleep study and they go, oh, I, you know, I've got some sleep apnea. They gave me a CPAP machine. You know, this is what I have to do. You know, I always scratch my head a bit and go, okay, you've got sleep apnea. What else could be done besides using a CPAP machine? Now, I, I get it that for certain people that might be the exact right answer. But I'd be curious to know more about your thoughts about sleep apnea. What are some different treatments for it? How does that compare with the CPAP? And uh, your approach in general to dealing with that issue. So both, there are two types of uh, sleep apnea. The obstructive sleep apnea, it's a lot more common, but there is also central sleep apnea. Both of them can be treated uh, with acupuncture, with Moderate to high success, I would say. Um, certain cases, if the sleep apnea is severe and the person is uh, more advanced in age, then um, I've had a few cases where we're not, we're not be able to, to uh, make m- much changes, though their health improved in other aspects. So it was still quite useful. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are a few, there, there are actually a few studies done by the, by, by the Dental School of Medicine in Brazil that shows significant improvement for sleep apnea. And, you know, the acupuncture is key, is one of the key uh, modalities in Brazilian healthcare. And so they looked into the problem of the sleep apnea because the CPAP machines are too expensive for many of the uh, Brazilians. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the studies are up online and you, people can also, your listeners can also um, read it. There is a great article on American Sleep Apnea Association on acupuncture and these studies and, and I recommend them reading them so so they can get a better idea. But with my patients, if they already use a CPAP machine, I tell them of course to con- continue using them. But if they do want to pursue some ac- acupuncture treatments, then we do a series of sessions which usually 12 sessions, sometimes longer. It really depends on many aspects, how if it's moderate or severe or mild or if uh, they're more advanced in age or not, and then get retested and see if there is any difference. And they might still need to use the CPAP machine even after that, but if they can use it less, then that would be great. Perhaps they don't have to use it when they go on vacation, which can be a hassle. But if it's severe, they, they can't. It, that's, it, it can be life-threatening, so they have to have it with them or they can't sleep at all. So then acupuncture can help with that. On the other hand, if a patient suspects that they may have sleep apnea, then, or they might even not even know, and I, su- I suspect they, have, uh, they might have sleep apnea, then I refer them for testing because I want to know the severity. If they have severe sleep apnea, they should have a CPAP machine. They cannot just uh, try acupuncture. Again, I can do treatments. I can help them, but we want to do the best that we can for the, for the patient. And so 
Um, that's it. Also, if again, when, when people come in and some of the signs that I can see where I'm suspecting they have sleep apnea is that they say they sleep throughout the night and they wake up really exhausted in the morning or they snore a lot and the, their partners, they say that they gasp for air. Mm-hmm. And they just do it once in a while, maybe not even a lot, so they don't know what that means, or they thought maybe it's sleep apnea, but they're not too concerned about it. Then I definitely tell them, we can do the treatments, but I need you to, to, to go to a doctor, to go to a, and do a sleep study and, and see where you're at. And, and so this, all these things are, are important. Another solution for people, so we have the CPAP machine, we have the acupuncture, and... We have a lot of dentists, um, medical doctors, they um, have all these different devices that they can, that people can use in their mouth. So it kind of sort of moves the jaw in such a way so it opens the airways. And so that, that is another solution that's easier for people. And if it's well-fitted, it can, it can work really well. Okay. You know, this, this brings to mind something else. Uh, there's a bunch of people that grind their teeth at night and often they'll have some sort of device that they sleep with to prevent them from wearing their teeth down. Have you had experience using acupuncture to deal with grinding of teeth at nighttime? Definitely. And that's um, usually because of long-term stress in those muscles and then it shows up at night. So I have had great success with it. And it works very, very well. And I think uh, general practitioners of acupuncture know very well of this and, and treat it quite commonly. I don't know if, if you treat it or not, but uh, there are great points, local points around the jaw that can, can help and also different body points in different parts of the body that can be quite useful. But it's uh, sort of the same type of uh, device that can be used for sleep apnea. Mm-hmm. But not the same. Different, yeah. It, it's a different device because it, it puts the jaw in a different position. It's not just to yes. protect the teeth. It, it actually exactly. fundamentally moves the mandible in a way that opens up the, the air passages. Yeah, I get that. Yes. I suspect people listening to this show, I know that if I was sitting in, in clinic with my patients and, and saying, yeah, we can treat sleep apnea, sleep apnea, their question would be something to the effect of how often does it help? And how long will it take? How often as far as? Well, how, often, um, how long will it take before they start seeing results? And, and how often would it help them to actually get off of a CPAP machine? Or if they weren't on one yet, to be able to uh, start seeing some changes in, in their sleep? You know, people always seem to want to know, how long is it going to take? I know that we talked about you know, roughly 12 treatments. Um, what, what are we looking at in a, in, in a space of time? I usually keep the same sort of frame time. If they're older, then I increase the number a little bit. If they're, you know, 70 or 80 year old, if it's, if it's a uh, mild sleep apnea, I would say the success is quite high, you know, around 70, 80%. If it's moderate, again, it depends on the age. Um, if it's severe, it is harder to treat it. Of course. That's, that's true for so many things. Uh, do you do acupuncture on a weekly basis or more often or less often? You know, Dr. Hamid, the doctor that I mentioned at the beginning, he does it. Um, he recommends for sleep apnea twice a week. And I've tried that. It doesn't seem to work as, as well for the 
type of treatments I do. So I prefer once a week and I do the same for insomnia or other sleep problems. Mm-hmm. And I do, I do treatments that are both, so they're points on the back and points on the front. So it, it's quite, ex, quite an extens, extensive treatments. And there are a lot of points around the neck that I use so we can strengthen the tongue muscle. Because in sleep apnea, the tongue tends to collapse and block the airways. Right. And um, I also use different body points that can can help. And I also use points on the back and in the front of the chest to sort of relax the rib cage. So mm. that can help with the breathing as well. And it can be quite useful in central sleep apnea as well. Right. I suspect these treatments that you just outlined would also be helpful for snoring. Is that correct? It is, yeah, and I've had some good success with snoring, especially in, in um, well, in, in younger people. I think I had a few patients in their 30s and 40s and, and have had really good success. I had a patient uh, a few years ago, she still, she still talks to me, she still emails me, and she still cannot believe that she has not been snoring ever since then. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. She, 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 she felt tired. She d- did not have sleep apnea. She was just snoring. And her daughter and her husband recorded her because she could not believe she's snoring. And, and so she was snoring pretty loudly and it worked very well. And I've had other, qu- quite a few other patients. And then in people in their 60s and 70s, I've, a- I've been able to, um, to diminish it but mm-hmm. not completely make away. But that still makes a difference. I was talking the other day to a patient and I, he had insomnia and, and, and the snoring and the insomnia, it's uh, maybe 90% better. But the sleep apnea, we probably made a, an improvement of 50%. And I asked him, so how is it? He's like, well, my wife kicks me once in a while, but it's, I'm, I must tell you, it's a lot less than it used to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the reason I was asking about this is because I've got a number of patients, and, I, and when I ask them how they sleep, they go, well, I, I generally sleep okay as long as my spouse isn't snoring. And mm-hmm. for some folks, their sleep issue actually is their spouse snoring. And really, you need, you need to treat them and get rid of the snoring, and, and then they'll sleep just fine. Very true. And another, uh, another important piece that can make a huge difference for people is losing, losing uh, weight. Just a few pounds, even five to 10 pounds for some people, it can make a huge difference. I've seen that over and over again, mm-hmm. where losing a little bit of weight, they, they stop snoring or they snore a lot less. I've got a bunch of patients, and I suspect you do too. Um, and if you're listening to this show, you might actually be one of these people. They go, 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 go until it's time to go to bed. And then they jump into bed and wonder why they can't turn their mind off. So then they get on their iPhone and read for a while, you know, until they fall asleep. Are there some better ways of getting ready to go to sleep besides just trying to hit a, an off switch? That we definitely do not have the on-off the on switch some people do, then they're very fortunate, so, but most of us don't, and, and we could really benefit, actually, all of us to really take the time in the evening and wind down. That, I would say, it's one of the most important things for people who not only cannot fall asleep, but also for people who wake up early in the morning or wake up in the middle of the night. Because this is a big part of my practice, I um, founded this program. It's called Life After 7 p.m., Mm-hmm. And the first, 
The first program just went live about a week ago. It's for mothers and it's a 21-day program. They sign up for free and then they get an email every day and they gradually get educated for every day for 21 days on the things that they could do throughout the day but mostly in the evening so they can increase the quality of their evening so they can feel like they enjoy their evenings more but also to to work with the sleep. So the first seven days of that program is focused on the hour before before sleep. So they get seven emails for, for the first seven days, and it's all about how can we make the, the, the hour, that hour before sleep, how can we make it better? How can we make it more enjoyable? How can we make it more relaxing? And so because it, that's a very, very important piece. So you have to first decide what time do you want to go to sleep, approximately. Things might change, especially if you have kids. It might change quite a bit. But in general, what would be the time? And you make that decision based on when you have to get up in the morning. And then you kind of guess, well, if I need to wake up to go to work uh, in the morning at 6.30, then I might, as well, I might as well say 10 p.m. is my time to go to sleep. Regardless if you can or cannot fall asleep, just kind of find a time. Mm-hmm. And then take the hour before to, to prepare for sleep. So in this, in this case, it would be 9 p.m. And so in that time, you want to dim the lights, you want to put the electronics away, you want to, because they can disturb the, the electro, having, looking at the bright screens um, can disturb the melatonin production and it sends a message to your brain that it is, it is not time to go to sleep. And many times it can stress that out. We read articles online that many times are not good news. We check emails, we respond to emails, and it's, not, it's really not helpful. And so once we do that, you want to really take the time and see how can you make your bedroom to be ready for sleep. So make sure it's not cluttered and it, it's, it looks good and maybe perhaps open the window and let some air, fresh air in. And then you could take a shower. And it, the, for most people, taking a hot shower can be quite helpful because we force the body to get hot and then when you go into your bedroom it gets cool and when the body core temperature drops we tend to feel groggy and sleepier in fact we have two drops in temperature in a day one it's in the afternoon when it's time for a nap and one it's in the evening which is a lot a lot bigger and that's when we start feeling groggy and so you want to, when you take the, sh- the hot shower, you encourage that. Now, there is a small percentage of people who say that if they take a hot shower before they go to sleep or they, it's too much stimulation for their body. In Ayurvedic medicine, we would say that's a pita constitution, they're too much fire for them. So I would say take the shower much earlier or just don't take a shower at all and f- or take a quick shower just to kind of sort of take a mental, take let go of all the problems when the water runs down to your body. And then have a cup of tea or read something on a magazine or a book, something that's interesting and pleasurable and nothing that raises your blood pressure, nothing that worries you, nothing that, again, that doesn't really relax you. And, and in that case, again, there are people who say, well, if I read, I get so engaged, I start reading the whole night. And so you want to watch for that. There are not a lot, a lot of people that do that, but you want to 
read a little bit and kind of still be mindful that you're right here in your bed, in your room, and the point is to go to sleep, not really to fully dive in into a, into a novel. And so after that, the most important thing that people need to watch for is feeling sleepy. And there is a difference between feeling sleepy and feeling tired. A lot of people say they feel tired, but they don't really feel sleepy. Yes, you know, this is so true. I know I have experienced times in my life as as contradictory as this will sound, I was too tired to sleep. Yes, uh, and we can talk about that. That's another story. But let me finish this and, and then I'll tell you more about that. Okay. Tired to go to sleep. But So anyway, when you feel tired, but you want to watch for that little window. Sometimes with people who suffer from insomnia, they feel a little sleepy and then they bounce right back up. They get that second wind and then it's all lost. Usually they can't, they can't fall asleep and it gets very frustrating. So because you take that hour or whatever it is, it may be shorter because you may get really sleepy at 45 minutes or maybe an hour and a half, but you prepare for bed, you're all ready, you're in your bed or on your comfortable chair, really warm and you're reading something and then you start feeling a little sleepy and that's the moment to to try to go to sleep. You don't want to pass that because then your body gets another burst of energy and then it's much harder to fall asleep. That's interesting. So there's a certain recognition that you're asking people to cultivate. Yes. And we all have it. And when I talk to my patients, once I point it out, they can they can notice it and they sometimes, well, by that time I didn't brush my teeth and I didn't do this. So then I try quickly to brush my teeth and go and do it. And then they're wide awake. It's too late. So mm. you want to be perfectly prepared for, for bed so then it can happen. And this, this routine, this being perfect about everything, it doesn't have to be forever. That's, uh, I have one of my patients, when she first came in, she said, I am the most boring person you've ever met in the evening. Nobody can do anything with me. I cannot have friends over. I cannot drink a glass of wine. I cannot talk to my husband. We cannot, I can never watch a movie, nothing, because... I have to have this perfect routine, and if it's not perfect, I'm not going to sleep. And even if it's perfect, I still cannot sleep, so that's why she came to me. But it's funny how, you know, there are people who the brain gets into this pattern of sleeping well, and then we can, we can break the rules. We, can, we don't have to be as perfect with our routine, and we can still sleep. The same thing happens when we don't sleep well. We do all these perfect things and every little things that we do matters and the body gets triggered very easily. So once, once you sleep better, once you have your routine, maybe you've got some acupuncture, maybe you uh, have some hormone replacement, maybe you've done cognitive behavioral therapy or maybe you're doing therapy or whatever it is, once it gets to a better, 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 better place, you sleep better, the brain learns, the body learns, it gets into this new ha beautiful habit of sleeping well and then it's okay not to have the hour. It's okay. You still want to wind down. You still want to do all of those things, but it doesn't have to be so perfect. You know, you might want to, you might go dancing one night and be all wired up, but you'll, you'll go to sleep. It's interesting, isn't it? That when things are out of balance in some way and, and we're not sleeping and, and it's not just sleep. I see this with digestion and, and all kinds of other issues as well. When people reach a deeper uh, state of, I hate using the word balance, it sounds so trite, but uh, when people reach a deeper state of resiliency. Yes, resiliency, that's a great word, I love that. 
Yeah, then then you um, you don't have to follow the habit every single day. The idea is to cultivate your resiliency, and once you've got that resiliency, I'm not saying that you should abuse it, but I would say the rules become a little more flexible at that point. Very true, and I'm going to use that patient that who said that she was the most boring person. So, it took a few months to get really good sleep, and. That was, I'm still seeing her to this day, and it's been a few years since I first saw her. And right now, she just comes for maintenance, and just because she absolutely enjoys falling asleep on the table and feeling really relaxed. But uh, about a few months into the treatment, when she was sleeping really well, she went up in the mountains in a vacation about, we're at 5,000 here, she went at 10,000, which usually would have created more insomnia for her. Mm -hmm. And so, she went there the first night, no trouble, falling asleep. And she was with friends having fun. And she she started laughing. And she said, well, you know what? I'm going to have a glass of wine tonight because I know I can sleep. And I'm going to dare it. I'm going to see if it works. And then she even had some chocolate, a little piece of chocolate. And she still slept. And right. we all laughed here in the clinic. And I said, yeah, you don't want to abuse it. But yes, you don't have to be so perfect now it's all good it's all okay it's your body can take it your body has greater resilience you are a lot less anxious about it even if she every few weeks or every few months now maybe she has a night that's not so good it doesn't matter for her she's a lot stronger so she doesn't feel as fatigued the next day because it's just one night here and there but also she she knows that it's okay it's just temporary and so I would like to go back to that. You brought up a really good point about being too tired to sleep. Mm-hmm. And I see this in some of my most deprived patients. They say that the more tired they are sometimes, the harder it is to even fall asleep. And that is because there are a few different explanations. Even in, in Chinese medicine can mean a lot of different things. But in in, in from the Western world, when when we go to sleep, the brain expends more energy to fall asleep and stay asleep than it uses during the day. And so it takes effort, actually, to fall asleep and stay asleep. So in order to help that at the beginning, to get the person stronger, I usually ask them to nap during the day. And now there are people that cannot even take a nap. They're so wired and their body is so stressed and so deprived that they cannot even fall asleep around noon or whenever they take right. a nap. You know, I was going to ask you about napping. That was that was my next question. So I'm really curious to hear what you've got to say about this. Very good. So yeah, napping is fantastic. And, and so with, I recommend it in general, but with the patients who are very sleep deprived and they're pretty desperate, I tell them taking a nap, it's a must. If they say they can never take a nap, I have them lay down. That act of laying down around noon helps the body rejuvenate. It acts as if you're sleeping. Obviously, you're not sleeping, but the body and the kidneys in Chinese medicine they and the adrenals, they, they, they regenerate during that time. So I tell them to put a timer for 45 minutes so they don't, if they do fall asleep, I don't want them to sleep too long. And put a timer so they don't have to worry about anything. If they want to listen to something, that's fine. But I just want them to lay flat. That's the most important piece. And I've had, I've had a number of patients who 
have said that it really makes a difference. And, and it doesn't have to be for a long time, usually for a f- a f- the first few weeks of the treatments, and then we can take that out. Now, there are people who enjoy naps. I personally enjoy naps. I think it is natural to take naps. It is, as I mentioned earlier, we have two uh, drops in body clock temperature, and one is in the afternoon, and the bigger one is in the evening. And most people think it's uh, they get sleepy after lunch because they had a big lunch. And, and that may be true. You know, some people may be, uh, to give an example, they may be sensitive to gluten and eating a big sangu- sandwich. It, it will make them sleepy for uh, half an hour, an hour. But it, it is not that. It may be part, but partly, but it's uh, your body doing what it does naturally. It wants you to take a little nap. It wants you to take a little siesta like people do in... South America and sometimes in Europe as well. And all over Asia too, by the way. All over Asia. I all over not- Asia. Oh yeah. There's, you know, here in the States, we get a half hour for lunch. We're supposed to wolf our food down, ideally while responding to email, <laughs> you know, and then, and then we're back to work. And at least my experience with Asia is you get an hour, hour and a half, and that's because you're supposed to eat your food at the speed of a human being eating lunch. And then you're supposed to take a little nap, have a little rest. They call it having a little rest. And it's it's baked into the culture. Yes, and the United States is, is opening more and more in that. And I would say Ariana Huffington, the owner of Huffington Post, is it's, uh, really guilty of that between quote marks. Um, since I believe it was 2007 that she had a... She she collapsed and she hit her head and broke a few bones on her face and woke up in a bloodbath, as she says. Mm. Um, and that was a big wake up call for her because she, you know, she went to the emergency room and they said there is nothing wrong with you. You're just really sleep deprived. And so ever since then, she made it her mission to help people realize that sleeping and sleeping enough for the people we're talking here about people that don't sleep that don't can't sleep but there are plenty of people who just push themselves uh, to only sleep four five six hours a night so they can get more more stuff done and so for her she's a big proponent of sleep and with her she's talking about having naps during the during the day and she even wrote a book uh, which is called thrive and she talks about sleep the large majority of that book also about meditation and talks about this uh, society in this country about pushing 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 and not allowing ourselves to take good rest and so for me i block my schedule every day for an hour and a half occasionally i have to cut that by half cuz i have to see an extra patient or two but um my schedule says that it's blocked at noon, so I live very close from my office, and many times I just go home and take a quick nap and have lunch, and I feel like a completely different person. It's amazing what a nap can do. So generally, I tell my patients if they if they need to rest or if they just simply want to take a nap, um, to do it anywhere from 12 to 3 approximately. Mm-hmm. You can do it at 4 o'clock. For most people, it's fine. You don't want to do it too far in the evening because then it would affect the nighttime sleep. And you don't want to do it too long. You want to do it for around half an hour, I would say. Um, And the reason for that is that if you go into different stages of sleep and you wake up at an hour, 
um, you may feel groggy. And I think all of us have tried to take a nap at different times and you woke up in the middle of that cycle and you feel worse than, than before. But when you take a shorter nap, that's sometimes 10 minutes, sometimes five minutes. I've, when I grew up in Europe, in Romania, and I worked at the farm, I would, uh, we didn't have time for anything uh, during the summer vacation. I would wake up at 5, 6 a.m. and work until 10, 11 p.m., even as a child. And well, I would have lunch. At, um, we would have lunch at noon, and I would just be so tired. I would say, if I could just steal five minutes, so I would go quickly to my room, and I would, take a, I would take a short nap. And sometimes it was probably like five minutes, and then I would hear my mom's voice calling for me because she didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> Um, and suddenly I felt like a different person. So yeah. it, it's very valuable, quite valuable. Well, being a, a long-time napper myself, I, I don't need any research studies you know, or books by famous people to tell me the value of a nap. I know that 12 to 22 minutes for me fundamentally changes my afternoon. That's great. That's fantastic. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah, I, I used to... Uh, Back before I was doing acupuncture, I worked in high tech, and, and there were times I'd steal away to these computer rooms where basically nobody would go, so I could grab the 12 minutes I needed of sleep so that I could be productive through the rest of the day. Of course, you can't put your head down on a desk in corporate America. You'll get fired, <laughs> um, at, at least back then that was the case. And yet I was, I've been so amazed at what really as little as 12 minutes can do in terms of my productivity for the rest of the day. It is astonishing. Yeah, so I, I highly recommend it. People, some of my patients, they go to their car, put the yeah. chair down. Whatever, whatever you need <laughs> to do. do whatever <laughs> it takes. If you, if you want, you can do it. And definitely turn your phone off so you can get a break from it. Right. Or use it to put the timer on so you know you'll wake up in 12 minutes. Exactly. Yeah, No. Yeah. We. Yeah. but put it on airplane mode. We'll... we'll cut all the emails and text message and all of that and yeah. time still work. Great. You mentioned that you've got a website and prior to us uh, rolling the tape here, we were talking about your website. Tell us a little bit about that, who it's for and where they can find it on the internet. Yeah. So my website is damianakorka.com, my first and last name.com. And I have more resources there and people can learn more about my practice. I, I practice in Colorado. I have offices in Boulder and Denver. I also do long, long distance consulting. If somebody has insomnia and they already work with an acupuncturist, but they have a bit of trouble with it or they want, they want more help, then I can consult with them and the acupuncturist. If they don't have an acupuncturist and they've never tried it and they wonder if that might be a good choice for them, then, you know, we can set up an appointment over Skype or over phone, which I've done a lot of, and, and then and then we can chat and see if that's a good choice for them. And then if that's the case, I will find an acupuncturist for them. I will talk to them to, to make sure it's the right practitioner, and then they'll start seeing the acupuncturist in person there, and they'll talk to me weekly over here in, in Colorado. So that's been a wonderful thing because... I feel like I have a lot to offer and having this specialty has allowed me to study quite a bit and it has, has 
allowed me to give thousands of treatments. And so my experience has come from, from my patients, which I'm really grateful for. You learn so much from people's problems, from seeing them over and over again and figuring out what works, what's important. Yeah, it's true. Talk about evidence-based medicine. Yes, yes. Yeah. And in the future, I, I will... Right now, it's, I'm so busy with the practice and and everything, but the plan is over the next few years, it is to conduct some studies, some sort of studies and work with the medical community. And so that will that will bring even even more evidence, but I can see it in the in my practice that it that it works. And then the second website that I have, it's called uh, lifeafter7pm.com. And that's a resource for the community. It is free at this moment. And um, the first program that came up, as I mentioned earlier, is for mothers, um, and I'm working on the busy professional, and there will be more programs, more resources that will come up. And I did that because I've realized how many different things. I mean, we could talk about in, in this in this in this interview here. There's so many different things that we did not cover, and, and we could go into. And so I wanted to kind of give a piece of that into that into that program, so people can do it at home day by day so they can take the time to implement all of those changes to sort of have a program and they can always email me back if they have they have questions um, so they can take that deeper. So again, that's at lifeafter7pm.com. It's a project that's evolving as of now, so a, a lot more things are happening there. That sounds fantastic. I will make sure that all these go on the show notes page so people can just click right over to it. That Life After 7 p.m. sounds like such a wonderful resource. I'm so I'm really happy to hear about it. Trust me, I got people I'm going to be sending to it next week. <laughs> Great. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate yeah. that. It'll be so good for them. Well, I thank you so much for being on the show today. Gosh, sleep is such an important thing. And it's been such a delight to talk with you. Are there any final comments that you'd like to share with our listeners before we wind this thing down? Um, well, there, there's so many things that I could I could add. I would say to remember the hour before sleep. I would remember to try to meditate. Again, put a timer if you're not a meditator already and just give yourself that time to acknowledge what you feel and allow your body to really arrive where you're at and let go of everything. And yeah, I think that that's it. I would say caffeine that's a big one and we didn't mention in here most people could have some caffeine and they could have it uh um you know before 10 a.m i would say some people do fine if it's before noon so that's an important one to remember and also to realize that it comes up in many different it can be in uh, chocolate it can be in ice cream it can be in certain drugs and i have that on my website actually actually i have a an article that talks about which over-the-counter or prescribed drugs can cause insomnia. So that's a good resource to have. And there are also a few articles on my website that go in more details about what to do when you cannot fall asleep or if you wake up between 11 and 1 a.m. or what to do if you wake up between 1 and 3 or 3 and 5. There are a couple of articles on that that you could probably benefit from. And that's on my personal web website at damianakorka.com. Fantastic. Well, again, thank you for being on the show. We're going to make sure that people go visit your Life After 7 p.m. and your website. And maybe we'll have you back on somewhere down the road for, uh, for a part two. It sounds like there's a lot more that we could talk about that would be helpful to people. 
Definitely, and thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Everyday Acupuncture. If so, please take a moment, click on the iTunes review button, and leave a review of the show. And be sure to tune in again next week.